Most of us begin a new position with energy and a desire to impress. Our effort is high, our passion is infectious, our enthusiasm helps us to excel quickly. But for some, work becomes mundane and repetitive. They lose some of their passion and their work can begin to feel like a chore. Eventually, some of those executives who had initially loved their careers enter the dimension we call the day prison. As they enter their workspace, they feel the metaphorical bars close around them in a zone where they are unmotivated, dissatisfied, and much less productive than they could be. In this podcast, we're looking at what happens to leaders when they've been in that job rut and how to get out of it. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th Percentile. I'm Brianna O'Corin, and joining me today is my co-host, Joe Folkman, our renowned psychometrician. Hello, Joe. Hello, Bree. Do you know on LinkedIn how they like have that that thing that comes up of, oh, you know, it's somebody's workversary. Congratulate them. So I was looking up funny workversary quotes to like send to people for those occasions. You want to hear some? I do. Please. <laughs> Go okay. ahead. Here, here are some of my, my favorites. Words are not enough to thank you for your hard work this last year. So I'll stop right there. <laughs> or... <laughs> Or just imagine where you'll be this time next year. Yep, probably in that same chair getting another hap, hap, <laughs> getting another happy anniversary message. <laughs> and last but not least, here's to another year of outward smiles and inward screams. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are terrible. For some people, a workversary is not a happy occasion. It is a reminder that they are in the same place they don't want to be. I really think any job, even ones that you love, it can get this way. Life happens. Uh, I also think it's good to recognize the signs when you see someone on your team and it looks like work is becoming day prison for them, like to really look into what's happening and how, how can we get you out of this funk. So let's look at where this idea got started for you. Where did it start? Well, to better understand this phenomenon, we examined data from 970 uh, such people in an organization, and their age was between 35 and 44 years old. So like the mid midlife crisis age. Yeah, you know, they were looking at <laughs> buying a uh, hot car and you know, all those other things. And they all rated their engagement and work in the bottom 10%. Oh, wow. So how, how did these day prisoners compare then with the rest of the organization? So if you look at the demographics uh, compared to the makeup of the overall organization, there were fewer males, minus 3.7% more females. That, that's kind of surprising. That is surprising. Uh, interesting. Okay. What else? So, well, there were fewer high school graduates, uh, minus 5.9%, and more graduates, 2.5%, uh, and postgraduates, 0.2.2%. Mm. 30% uh, had been at the company for 10 years, 36% 10 to 20 years, but 
The age sample spanned all levels and positions in the organization, including executives. We actually found people in day prison from all tenure categories. In fact, mm. we found three executives who were in day prison along with their staffs. <laughs> they, they sort of brought the team, them with Team them. prison. Oh, yeah. Team prison. Oh, so do we have any idea from this study of what was troubling them exactly? Well, I did, decided to crunch the data. I did a factor analysis, one of my favorite things to do <laughs> on the items in their employee survey uh, feedback. And we drew the most significant negative responses from those items. And we identified eight critical issues. Here are, in order of importance, those eight issues. Number one, lack of pride and satisfaction with the organization. The most discontent stemmed from employees identifying a situation where the organization mistreated customers in some way, and that shook their confidence and caused them to feel a loss of pride in the company. These employees were much less likely to recommend the organization to a friend and described themselves as much more likely to leave the organization. So number one, lack of pride and satisfaction. I don't like this organization. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you've, you've lost the vision. You don't believe in it. Yeah. And Absolutely. And number two, right behind that is something that we've been talking about a lot. And we have an episode a few months ago that we did about minimal appreciation or recognition. This is a sometimes a toxic workplace where you're, you don't feel valued. This was not only a sense of people had that they were giving their best, they are not getting any recognition, but this was particularly strong among those who felt the organization failed not just to recognize them, but anyone. There's all of these benefits that we've found with employee engagement and productivity from those who feel like they are recognized. So really, this is, this is a problem and we need to get better and not just noticing the bad, but telling people about the good and that's what we've always been about at Zinger Fogman is tell people their strengths, recognize, give that positive feedback. We need it more than ever. We do. And uh, I just did some research where I found that people who recognize others more often are viewed as having better relationships. And it's a great way to build mm. relationships with people. Uh, the third thing is really interesting because it is the absence of challenge and meaning in the work. You know, it's interesting if you ask people, what would you like to be doing right now? Most people say, you know, I'm thinking of a beach, a chair, a cold <laughs> drink. <laughs> right? I love that you always go there. Well, the beach and the chair. <laughs> I like the chair on the beach, you know, and sand between your toes. All of, But, you know, what's interesting is, is that people imagine that life would be better with less challenge, right? If it was just easy. Here's the thing that's funny. But if you have no challenge in your life, you don't have a life. You know, some jobs are challenging at first, yeah. but after 10,000 hours and iterations, it becomes monotonous and boring. Yeah. These people felt unable to make their use of their skills and abilities. It's like they were robots and mm -hmm. they felt that most days they did not achieve anything worthwhile in these roles. And they felt like they no longer had a path to career advancement. So, I, I, you know, again, 
really uh, for leaders and for managers sort of challenging people, give them something hard to do. You'd think they resist it, but they actually, when they do hard things, they feel alive and they realize they can make a difference. Number four is the unwillingness to go beyond basic requirements. Everyday people make judgments about their discretionary effort. They will do just the minimal amount of work to keep their jobs a bit more than that, but they're unwilling to give 100% effort. We were not surprised to see the unengaged individuals resisting putting forth extra effort. For some, the rationale was this. I get very little from this organization, and therefore I choose to give them only my minimal effort. Simply put, they build up resentment resulting in refusal to accomplish more work. So just kind of doing the minimum, doing as little as possible, it it sort of fed that lack of meaning in their job and that sort of giving up attitude. Yeah, and dissatisfaction. And we and we really saw that attitude prevail last year and and even this year in the qu- kind of quiet quitting movement of my organization isn't doing enough. And 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 we went into there's lots of nuances of this, but this feeling of I'm not going to put in extra effort really um, it hurts you in the long run with how how you do your job every day and how you feel about yourself. Yeah, you you think you're hurting the organization. <laughs> but, and you are a bit. <laughs> yeah, but you are actually the thing that hurts the most is you because you don't you don't feel that you know, you, you say I'm I'm contributing nothing here, right? And so Yeah, you don't feel very fulfilled from that. So the the fifth thing about this group of of individuals within this day prison was the conclusion that they were not being treated fairly. They were stuck in monotonous jobs. It's not surprising that these people now believed that they were continually getting the short end of the stick while others received benefits that they didn't deserve. They had become bitter and sometimes even belligerent. And sometimes their reality was correct, but sometimes they were seeing it from a different lens. So It's really good to get feedback from those around you and go, am I correct in my thinking or has my performance not been really worthy? Have I asked for things that are going to stretch me and volunteered for assignments? What is it that you can do to change your situation instead of always blaming um, those on the outside? Number six is this feeling of powerlessness. Um, I remember in my introduction to experimental psychology class, training rats. (laughs) 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 But uh, there's this interesting experience uh, or or experiment where you put a rat in a cage and for some, you give them uh, the opportunity. So you shock them, right? But for some, you give them the opportunity to stop the shock, right? So they press a lever go to some part of the cage, it doesn't shock them. So they have power. But in others, you just don't give them any option to stop the shock. And what happens is over time is they end up just in the corner of the cage, and they won't move, and they don't do anything. And that's powerlessness. And it really feeds depression. It feeds this anxiety. 
not only did they feel they weren't treated fairly, but any effort to put out their concerns to be heard and addressed uh, were just not heard. They felt helpless with no advocates, no influence. They thought that they simply didn't matter. They didn't make a difference. They were just in that cage getting shocked and there was nothing they could do about it. And there's no hope. Yeah. There's yeah, no one to to talk to about that. Oh, no I, one cares. And yeah. boy, that powerlessness, it it's terrible and it and it not only you know, doesn't get the organization anything, but uh, it really, really has a negative effect on mental health. And we're seeing that in so many employees now. Number seven is the company failed to value and practice values such as teamwork, trust, and valuing diversity. As they observed the organization, what stood out for these people were their failures in the organization to walk the talk. They just felt the organization was duplicitous, that it didn't care. They had nothing good to say about it. Yeah. And the last thing from this group of people stuck in day prison was minimal opportunities for growth and development opportunities. This disengaged group felt like a pair of hands that were used and abused. Others in the organization have been given opportunities to develop new skills, but they rarely were. They were always passed up. And, you know, a lot of the talk about wellness and uh, all, all these great initiatives that are happening in organizations to open up these conversations about diversity, inclusion, about mental health and psychological safety. And a lot of it comes to just looking at individuals and saying, okay, how can we help this person grow while they are here? Like, how can we take care of people? And like I said at the beginning, just if you if you see a person on your team that you see is kind of getting in this rut where work is really losing its meaning, like this is serious. We need to look around and and see what can be done so that people don't get to that state of hopelessness and helplessness or that feeling of powerlessness. We don't want them to get there and to feel like they really are valued and can bring value. So it did not surprise us that many of these factors mirror what we found in an earlier study where we examined 360 feedback from more than 320,000 employees in a variety of organizations and found that the most unhappy people were mid-level employees and managers who'd been in their companies for five to 10 years. In both cases, people felt that their contributions were not being fairly valued and recognized, and they weren't appreciated. And in both cases, they reported feeling helpless and powerless. But in our previous research, most of the grievances focused on feeling overworked and the problems with an immediate boss, whereas here, we see a more generalized discontent with the shortcomings of the company as a whole and the nature of their work and career opportunities. I should say that, you know, when we look at employee survey data, we oftentimes find the number one factor that people want is opportunities developed, to opportunities to learn, to grow, to, to try and learn a new skill. What people want to grow and learn. Yeah. And just to clarify this, our, we did an episode about disgruntled employees, and this is different. In this study, 
In this study, far from suffering from overwork, these people are protesting that their talents are being underutilized and they're complaining about the soul-sucking boredom. Ouch, ouch. Well, that's one way to put it, Bree. While we would make no claims to any universality to the data stemming from only one company, these findings suggest some fairly simple steps that would certainly do no individual or organization any harm and might offer some possibility of forestalling this midlife crisis. So the message from this organization is over the years, we've asked executives to reflect on their own curve of excitement and creativity in all the jobs they've done. And at what point does the downturn occur? Well, the consistent answer we receive is after about five years. Asking people to do the same job for years is often cruel and unusual punishment for some. Well, I've been doing the same job for 40 years, but <laughs> not everyone. But I, I have to say, are fine. They're happy. Well, it's the same job, but it, there's lots of variety in it and, and challenges every day. And so I think that's what changes. So at the very least, we would suggest that managers be on the outlook for that five-year point for signs of boredom in their staff and nip it in the bud uh, by giving some thought to assignments that would require new skills and capabilities. Don't let these people languish just because they are continuing to do a good job for you. That might, that might stop. That might slow down. And they might be hitting that five-year curve. And to individuals, we would say this. If this list of grievances resonates with you, we would direct your attention to point number four, the impulse to withhold discretionary effort. However justified and natural, this will just feed into your feelings of uselessness, powerlessness, and boredom, not to mention justifying the organization's view that your contributions don't deserve special recognition. So before you throw in the towel, consider whether you can escape this prison on your own. You can try to pull yourself out of the career ditch by shifting the burden from blaming the organization to raising the bar on your own efforts. If the organization won't help you do it, use your own initiative. Taking on new and important challenges can change the dynamics of the game. Work may not have to be about feeling underutilized and disconnected from the organization. It can be about putting your best efforts to good use and making a discernible difference. That effort may not get the recognition it deserves, but it could bring the satisfaction back of doing important work and doing it well. At the very least, it will set you up for a better position at a wiser organization. The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. 
All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on ZangerFolkman.com.